five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, the conspiracy theorist and voice that you're accustomed to listening to each and every week, joined virtually by Sam at another Sam Chan, and Omni at Omnistripe. Welcome, gentlemen. What did you say this podcast was about? Well, we're, we're going to make a big announcement, a big reveal, if it doesn't get leaked first. You mentioned... Vancouver Titans? Well, what? the Titans of Vancouver. What's the meaning of all this? Are we just stuck in the DPSQ of life right now? I'm selling leaks for turnips. <laughs> Damn me. Whatever. You went and sold your turnips for a high price and didn't tell anyone today. <laughs> I did tell you. That's how you found out. Well, the way you dropped it in Titans Court is like, <laughs> hey, I sold my turnips for bank today. And it was like interpreted by me and others that you sold it on your own island without sharing. Like, ah, the Valorant Island. <laughs> Imagine if there was like a Valorant uh, Animal Crossing, you know, mix and. Ugh. I'm on it. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, it's been a weekend. It's another weekend where the Vancouver Titans didn't play. So, hey, what else is it that we're going to talk about, right? Pretty much. We'll try. The uh, The weekend uh, was as we would normally expect a weekend to be, save for like late afternoon when the Overwatch League goes and says, yeah, we're going to change for the month of May and put on a new set, uh, set of clothes. And then the Vancouver Titans came to life and said, hey, something stuff. And we're going to get into that when we get into the payload. And then some news broke today. And again, we're recording Tuesday night. So there's going to be even greater news breaking tomorrow, that being Wednesday after this episode goes live. But huge news broke today. We'll, we'll get into in the fray. So let's... Uh, Waste no further time of yours talking about Animal Crossing, Valorant, or any other game not related to Overwatch, and go directly into the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! Last week, we shared the news that we were able to sort of piece together based on conversations that we had uh, with Ryan Nicholas, who is with the organization, uh, based on sort of the intelligence that we were gleaning off of social media. Again, us conspiracy theorists at RSP uh, really fired up the, uh, the thought machine. And since that point in time, not a whole lot has occurred uh, with a force of nature. Um, I found myself stumbling onto Reddit of all places. I mean, again, I'm not a Reddit guy. So for me to make an appearance on uh, Arkow is uh, a special event in its own. And I, I felt it necessary to share what it was we knew in the, the episode because so many people are taking the organization to task, you know, rightly, you know, not to suggest that, that there aren't mistakes being made by the organization, but completely way off kilter. And then it, for whatever reason, the, the team had decided they didn't want to go and, and, you know, maybe get into the mud themselves. And I, I get from a PR perspective why you might want to do that. So I thought, Hey, I'm just going to share what we knew. 
and it was an interesting uh, conversation that took place. There were some like, oh my goodness, this is pretty cool. Others are like, ah, this is a total PR exercise by the the team. You know, it can't be true until we hear by the players. Uh, someone else said, you know, uh, fake journalists trying to, you know, share what uh, they know to get street cred. And I'm thinking like, dude, I, I went there to share what we know, not to actually shill for the team. Uh, to use your words there, Sam, they don't pay us enough. Mm-hmm. Although that can be arranged. Well, if they want to pay us, totally. I'll say whatever needs to be said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let the shilling come and in. That, and that's why you know we're always going to be transparent. That's right. We would we would straight up say, ah, this message was brought to you by the Vancouver Titans. We made bank, and here's what they wanted us to say. No, I I think it's quite clear that as a podcast goes, when it's time to go and tear a strip off the team, we're not necessarily the first in line, but we're probably second or third. But I also feel we're balanced enough to go and show where they have done good work and good things. And I want to make it very, very clear, because this seems to still be difficult for, for a number of people. When we talk about the team and the organization, it is essentially a logo. It is a senior leadership group that we can't even really name because we're not sure who it is. It has absolutely nothing to do with the hardworking individuals that we do know and we see in uh, Titans Court, uh, that we see in action when they're working on social and creating content. Those people are hardworking people that unfortunately have no say in whether or not the Vancouver Titans dress a certain player or uh, make a certain decision as to how their infrastructure is set up and, and what have you. So again, very clearly when we talk about this as an organization, it is a logo that we're, we're inferring, but a stupid Yeti that all went down night. And you know, Sam's not a nice person. We'll, we'll learn more about that this episode, <laughs> but again, we don't know much more than that. Like uh, today in Titans cord, uh, someone drops a, a picture. Well, actually let me rephrase that. Sam, you dropped the picture, but that was in response to someone saying, Oh my goodness, twilight's on a plane. Instagram story, Twilight's on a plane. And we spent hours having this conversation that, okay, well, I guess the team is coming back. And we'll talk a little bit about why this might make sense in a short moment. But that's how starved we are for the real juice. Uh, Little did we know the picture was actually from March. Sam, who actually went to Instagram to screen capture the story, didn't validate that either. So you really let us down. I didn't know. It was on his story. I don't fact check. That's not the business we're in. <laughs> but uh, Samantha from the Vancouver Titans actually said, hey, all, it's uh, from March. And, uh, you know, we had a good laugh about it. But uh, again, we had a uh, Titans squad had a, a functional conversation about the logistical uh, challenges that the team would face coming back from Korea to North America. Now, why might that be a point of conversation? Well, one of the things that came out of the Overwatch League announcing that the month of May is going to be a whole lot different was that the Vancouver Titans are going to be returning to Overwatch League action. Just as we said last episode, they'll be returning the weekend of May 9th and 10th, and they are going to be playing North American teams during times which are convenient to North American teams. And if we read into the announcement the Vancouver Titans published late day Sunday, uh, when all this news is going down is that they are 
uh, excited to be returning to the Pacific Division, which is essentially North America. Um, but what people were being quite confused about is that, well, the Pacific Ocean is pretty big. You've got North America on one side. You've got all these Asian teams on the other. What does this mean? They're coming, they're coming back to NA. But what needs to be very clearly stated is we don't know who. The only thing we know is a Vancouver Titans team is returning to the schedule and the Vancouver Titans team will be playing North American teams at times that are convenient to North American teams. Uh, we, knew, we know That's a couple of uh, other things too. I think well, what, what is it? What does we know? Well, I think it's safe to assume that the team will be wearing blue and green jerseys and I oh, think yes. that it's safe to assume that the team will be playing Overwatch. Well, well, I, I, I don't know about that after today. I don't even know about the jerseys. I think they're still in those pajamas. You think uh, Ruji Hong passed well, along his PJ set to each other? Those pajamas will be uh, blue and green for sure. Hmm. It is so unfortunate that we currently live in this information vacuum. We would love to be the the source of, of clarity where the Vancouver Titans are not. I tried hard to reach out to the team, just to answer a few more questions. One, get some sort of clarity on the player operations side, because that was made clear uh, in Titans Court, is that the content team that's present doesn't have information on what's going on player operations, which is why I stressed that earlier. But the problem is we don't know who really on the player operations side is in, in charge or, or making decisions or what might be going on. So I, I reached out to Alfred to say, hey, um, any idea you could provide some insight on that? And uh, just to sort of, for my own understanding, like I, I look at what the role of the GM would be in the world of traditional sports, um, you know, who who's sort of filling that role on an interim basis. I also asked, you know, can we understand who might be returning? And if not, who, can we at least know where? Is it Vancouver? Is it somewhere else in North America? Because let's say this team as we know it, the current roster, as we know it, comes back from Korea. If they come back to Canada, they're going into quarantine, uh, quarantine sorry, for 14 days. And that's not like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go and try to avoid people. The Quarantine Act in Canada requires them to go immediately from their arrival at the airport, presuming they're allowed in the country, directly to wherever it is that they live. Now, if it's a team house that magically appeared if it's uh you know at adonis uh campus wherever maybe that's where they got to go and now they have to avoid people there is no going outside there is no going to another room to actually play they are functionally living inside of a space or a box for 14 days so that introduces additional challenges that coming back to canada introduced so i think it's reasonable if this roster was coming from korea to somewhere in north america that they instead maybe go to a location that's a little bit lax when it comes to what quarantine is requiring of them, a place like Los Angeles, for instance. But again, I don't know. And I got no answer back. Um, it wasn't that I got no comment. I got no response. My my biggest worry is that the team itself doesn't really know fully what's going on or they're not really set on their plans. They probably have some contingencies or waiting on replies from some of the t players or maybe potential new players i don't think they themselves are sure yet we know how how things in esports tend to wait until the very last moment and i think this is one of those cases 
I don't disagree. It could be that the team isn't entirely sure what's going on, but it is very odd that if there are still these question marks as to who's playing, where they're playing, yeah. how they're playing, least, that they would be put back on yeah. the schedule. Let's say, let's say the Overwatch League has to change its schedule again yeah. because of what might be going on with the Vancouver Titans. I can see the league going about and doing that, but at some point in time, they just need to call a spade a spade and, and say, oh, okay. And I meant not that they done. don't have a plan, but they just don't know. It's not ready for public consumption as of yet, is, is what I mean. They cannot really announce as maybe some things are still up in the air. Some details. They can't yeah, really and if there's one, on. And there's one thing we know about the team is uh, they like to use what we call the the sandwich method. So so you deliver some good news, <laughs> you deliver some bad news, and then you deliver some good news again. We saw that when they they uh, did away with Bumper. Uh, they were quick to to talk about Fisher and RJH. I think it was within the same week. My memories fades me now. Um, so if there are things that may be perceived as quote unquote bad news or detrimental to the team, they also may be trying to to you know finalize the good news first. So for example, if they deem, let's say that, and this is pure speculation, let's say the team is moving back to Vancouver, and you know the the org is going to look bad because they're just moving people left, right, and center. Uh, if they deem that as bad news, they may also be trying to finalize some good news um, to combine that together. Yeah, I mean the sandwich method that you're you're suggesting is definitely the uh, you know the position they've taken in in the past. I would argue that a sandwich is not a good sandwich when you let the bread dry out before throwing on the. It's rest a of stale the sandwich. sandwich, and this sandwich is. Uh... Might even be molding a little bit, a little bit blue and green. You know, and that is a good segue into the possibility that, you know, the roster that we once knew as the Vancouver Titans isn't the roster we, we see back. I mean, if, if we were to look at the bad news, that's probably the worst part of the news. If the good news is they're returning to action, that's slice, you know, slice of bread number one. Mm-hmm. And the second piece of good news is here's our roster. The only bad news that I could see is there's changes in between, right? I mean, that functionally is, is is sort of where we stand. We, we shared this on, on social and it was just based on everything that has happened to this point. You know, does the roster that returns from Korea, (laughs) that's presuming that a roster is returning from Korea, going to be the same as the one that we last saw playing. I don't think there is. I mean, there's so many different challenges. It's the quarantine issue. If they're coming back to Canada, um, the fact that logistically, uh, you know, this team would have gone Vancouver or to Korea, Korea to Vancouver, Vancouver to Korea, and then, oh, coming back to what we presume Vancouver or anywhere in North America. I think we're going to see changes. Uh, we've seen no update on the player personnel side with their social media accounts indicating relationship to the Vancouver Titans at all. Uh, you know, Axel was streaming uh, and no you know, Vancouver Titans chatter, uh, Twilight, uh, I believe is streaming at, uh, at one point again, same sort of thing. So, you know, I, I'm not trying to awfulize, but I don't know how else to look at it. We, we're not getting any other information and I, I, I am not one to speculate. I, I really don't want to, but I can totally see why, you know, there are many of us who are, cause we, we have no other way to, to validate what it is we know. For sure. And, 
I think the shock have done a huge, huge favor to the Titans without sneaking too much into the fray. But I mean, we all know it. Um, is there a bigger name? Can anything the Titans do with their roster top the story that the shock have just dropped? Is there mm. any body or any bodies going to be a bigger story than this? Mm. Well, if they sign XQC. <laughs> <laughs> That, that actually that would be a big shift. Um, maybe maybe not at the same level. But we're talking like you know definitely close to the same tier. Uh, I think if if the Vancouver Titans were to bring in an entirely new roster, that puts them back into the news cycle that you know we've seen shift today. I mean, I I shared it on the RSP Twitter account today. At what point in time did the Vancouver Titans send a, a thank you card down to uh, California? But I don't know. I mean, I. I've sort of asked this question uh, in RSP court um, and to some respect in Titans court. Like I cheer for the Vancouver Titans. I don't cheer for a particular group of players or a particular player because my introduction to the professional uh, side of Overwatch was based on Vancouver getting a team. And that's ultimately how I approach all traditional sports. I am a biased Vancouver sports fan. Yes, there are players I follow, players I like, and I am not always happy when those players leave the the city that I live in, but ultimately I still continue to, you know, cheer for the logo on the front of the Jersey. It will be interesting to see how, if a roster shift were to occur, the Vancouver Titans fare, because I know there are a lot of people. And I mean, some of you are our listeners who came to enjoy the Vancouver Titans because you were runaway fans previously. And what happens if this runaway group gets, gets broken apart? we've already seen chips fall off with bumper obviously out of the picture. I can't see how Haxel comes back. Yeah. I don't, if, and again, we don't know anything that's true, but he was the first one to showcase the lack of connection. Others sort of followed. Anyhow, oh. <sighs> such frustrating times. <laughs> I mean, the, the other scenario that we haven't really talked about is just the players playing in Korea at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, that would suck. Like, not only would they have to be dealing with latency, they to be playing at 3 a.m. Like, we were complaining about having to to get up and watch. Can you imagine what it'd like to play? And these are these kids. Yes, they already use some crazy hours when it comes to their own personal streaming schedule. But I can't see how they're able to play at their best if that's actually the the route that they would go. And if that was truly the case, why the return to play against North American teams when there was already a majority of teams here? Like Again, I, I don't think that's the case. I think the huge why is because, you know, the Vancouver Titans CSC from day one were very much focused on us here. We are the demographic. We are the 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 revenue to be had. And it's, you know, in one week, it's been impossible to do that. I haven't fully compared the numbers, but I'm pretty sure those two Titans matches that we played against Guangzhou and, and Chengdu, like were like the worst view Titans matches, maybe. Oh, they would definitely by far. Admit. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't disagree with that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, it's not a story. It's purely speculation from my part. And I think somebody on, on Titans court also suggested that, but like, I just can't imagine if they're still trying to salvage this brand and trying to build this brand and trying to excite Vancouver and Pacific Northwest fans by having their matches in the middle of nowhere at at maybe 2, maybe 4 a.m. Can't tell. 
Um, like I, I just don't know how, how people can, can properly do their jobs that way. Not to say that I have a solution for them. Just this, this is a problem that, that they need to resolve at some point. Yeah. I, I, and I've asked this as well in RSP cord, like, you know, if, if we were here at RSP, uh, use this downtime that we have in the world of, of social isolation to build a flex capacitor, stick it into a rebuilt DeLorean and offer it up to Tim Holloway and the rest of the organization say, here's your time machine. What might you go back and change? I've entertained the idea that they may go back in time and not necessarily sign runaway. And that doesn't mean that the team doesn't wish to have success, but I think they would look to sign a group of players that would provide an easier ability for them to market locally. And that's been a challenge. The team has struggled to find a way to get this current roster to connect with the Pacific Northwest, with Vancouver, you know, specifically. I know some of that challenge was the fact that the team was in LA much of last year, but you know, there's a language barrier that gets in the way. I mean, we've, we've experienced that when we interviewed them and we, we had, you know, Michael providing translation, but there is always going to be a little bit that's lost in translation. It's a lot harder to then, you know, get them set up on, on radio and, and what have you. Um, so there's, there's a lot of sort of challenges that are, that are, that will occur. Would you say that New York Excelsior is a poorly marketed team? No, I, I can't. I mean, that, and that's a fair counter. They're, they're really well marketed, mm -hmm. but you know, is it also fair to say that what we see with the New York Excelsior and their players and their roster, um, the same as what we see with the Vancouver Titans and their roster? Like we've we've alluded to this on previous episodes, and we've had the ability to sort of take a peek behind the curtain. There have been some players that we've seen firsthand that don't appear that they're all that interested in maybe doing what they're doing in the moment. Yeah. And I, I don't know about that with New York Excelsior, but I kind of get a feeling that, and maybe that's a, a, you know, better support, better structure. You know, I, I, that could very well be the case too. It's just that I would say they're different, different groups. It's marriage. Marriage changes you. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine occasionally not wanting to do something at your job. Exactly. What a Never. Never happens. I can't what even imagine it. No, no, not at all. Anywho, uh, so what do we know? Well, a Vancouver Titans team is going to be returning to the Overwatch League schedule the weekend of May 9th and May 10th to play Overwatch League matches in what we would know as times convenient to teams based in North America. And if anything changes between now and next episode, rest assured we will come back, we'll find an opportunity to do something special, and we'll share that information with you. If I was a betting man, 12.05 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, five minutes after our episode goes live, is when all the greatest news will break. <laughs> Vancouver Titans 2 confirmed. <laughs> so let's take ourselves a, a short break here and uh, dive into the fray. Back into the fray. 
Normally we kick off the fray by talking about the week that was. We kind of are, but the big news that broke today is Sinatra. Yes, Sinatra has retired from the Overwatch League, which is amazing. He's last year's MVP. He's still at the top of his game. Sure, he hasn't been getting into a whole lot of Overwatch League action, but we've talked about how the San Francisco Shock has such a deep roster. Well, no, Sinatra is retiring from Overwatch to go and become a pro in Valorant, a game that hasn't actually even made it out of its beta phase. But he is going to be joining Sentinels and uh, going pro. Congratulations. Good for you, kid. But holy smokes, uh, is, is this news huge? Why? Well, first and foremost, can you point out to me a league where, you know, your, your showcase uh, player is deciding it's time to go and find something else to do? And two, for that to occur and occur mid-season, also crazy. Sinatra did allude to the fact that, you know, he hasn't really been enjoying Overwatch for, for possibly a number of reasons. One of them might have been a 222. The other one might have been hero bands. Uh, it's just not something that's really invigorated him. But boy, you know, Valorant, it's the hot and sexy and, uh, you know, sees this opportunity, can't pass it up. Yeah. Uh, what would be the equivalent? I don't even know. Like you said, changing leagues, but I'd say it's even more than that. Like to change the league would be like going in soccer from like the Premier League to the Bundesliga. There was, there was he, one guy that did it. Yeah, MJ did it. He went to play <laughs> baseball. But not in the middle of the year. No. <laughs> but yeah, that, oddly enough, I think that's the closest thing we can think of. It's a very, very bad look for the league. He's like you said, the reigning MVP of OWL and the World Cup MVP. So, and he's deserting to the new shiny toy on the block. Uh, obviously, probably a professional move. I mean, the money was probably better than the original 150k that was uh, hailed at the time. And we know that by season two, people were offered to play for like 300k, maybe even more than that. That uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. I don't like it for Overwatch. I don't like it for the esports scene. Um, second point is, well, San Francisco Shock, they're not really using him right now. And maybe they can... They, if there's a team that can lose a premier top player, it's San Francisco Shock. I don't think Titans can do that. <laughs> like, uh, not playing Haxel. We saw what happens there, but... For San Francisco, though, like they, they, they're falling back onto Ans, Rascal, Striker, and Architect. That's insane. So maybe that had something to do with it. The buyout was probably, I mean, a, a little bit smoother when you know you have such a deep and talented roster there because he is signed on a contract. So, But that, that's the thing is he retired. Well, so in in a prof in professional sports and I'll say traditional sports professional sports because I think sports will probably qualify when you retire um and typically speaking a retirement gets you out of the contract you may still remain property of the organization um if you were to decide to make a return but it almost introduces this concept that the Overwatch League maybe didn't foresee that there is this possibility that some of their pros will change games and in this particular scenario, him retiring, I don't necessarily believe he's buying himself out or that the uh, Sentinels are buying him from, 
you know, the shock. It, it truly is him leaving, hanging up his cleats to go and pick up a baseball bat. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's crazy because, because the, how the Overwatch League structured players is, is if a player was to leave a game, they have an out clause that disallows them to move within their parent org. So NRG, even if, if, or when, or do they have a Valorant team? Like if they wanted to move Sinatra to the shiny new toy, let's say as part of their properties, they're not allowed to do that. So he had to find a new team. He couldn't be with NRG. And, and, from from my very you know nominal and far away understanding like sinatra had a very good relationship with the shock the players the obviously the fans but but like the ownership like there's there's no beef there so he was leaving a very good you know work situation um to go somewhere else and so like there's i'm a little bit curious although i predict to be disappointed on how the league spins this because sinatra is not just the reigning mvp he's not just quote unquote the best player on the best team he's also their marketing he's their poster boy he was the he was sitting there with uncle jeff uh announcing echo he's still on all the overwatch ads he's still on all the jersey jersey you know promos he's on Mm -hmm. everything so like just this this fascinates me i think because i think as much as we make fun of the Vancouver Titans and them being tight-lipped and never admitting when they're wrong or et cetera, it's really weird because Overwatch League seems to be very much in the same veins. And it, it's like, I think they might even try and shrug this off, which I think would be ridiculous. Oh, that would, that would be a mistake. <clears throat> they have to do really the only thing that's available to them, eat some humble pie. Like they have to accept that they have a player who's going to another game, wish him well. And Hey buddy, you're always welcome back here. Like they can't ghost them. They can't take the same approach that they did when we saw the, uh, you know, desk talent for, for lack of a better description, uh, you know, transition over the course of the off season. Uh, it, it would do them more harm. Now, I'm not suggesting they go and they market like, you know, fare thee well, our friend, but it does put the league in a very tough spot. The MVP skin. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine the league really wanting to go and share this skin. <laughs> yet I also believe that they're going to have, they're going to accept that this is another sort of kick in the pants. So what do you do to make a, uh, you know, the best of the a bad situation? You almost revisit, hey, you know, great player and you know when you're as good as you are you're like you know what i mean like they 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 can't they can't ignore it like they've just got too much riding on it they put everything on them and then they're seeing him leave it it sucks but it is what it is it's just crazy because because i mean i love i do love poking fun of blizzard but as they were introducing echo like this is all within the last month right so we knew in sinatra's twit longer that he, he hasn't been happy he's been pondering about you know his future blah 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 so if if he was this close to retiring and clearly now he's retired, nobody in the league on the team knew this enough, had enough of a hunch that, you know, something's not well with him, that they're still going out and putting him on the poster for literally everything. And this is this is not like, oh, it's been in the works and, and the campaigns were before. It's like, no, they had they had him talking up Echo, you know, three weeks ago or whatever it was. Tough situation. I mean, that, that that's all this happens to be. I am genuinely curious how the Overwatch League recovers from just another body blow. Like, at what point in time are they going to suffer a headshot here? 
Um, we've got COVID-19, um, you know, not only just impacting the Overwatch League, but, you know, impacting operations. We've got the fact that uh, you've got the Vancouver Titans who are are having issues. You've got the San Francisco Shock, still a good team, still a competitive team, seeing, you know, a player in Sinatra leave. And, and to the point that you've been talking about, one of the players that is the showcase marketable player in the league, you know, transitioning into the the, the hot and sexy new game that's in, in the market, um, Thorin, uh, who uh, some of you might know on, on Twitter, he had talked about like, you know, what does it say about a league when your top two teams from last season don't seem to care? And I don't think that that's fair. I, I, I don't think that the teams themselves don't care. It's just that the these challenges are simply icing on top of what's already a very challenging cupcake <laughs> that they're being served. Oh, for, for sure. And I think we're going to, we're probably going to find out, like you said, everything 1205 today. <sighs> I mean, that's, that's what it is. I, we can't ignore the fact that like Overwatch was, we already predicted how season, uh, what season are we in now? Three. It was a, do or die and, and everything was resting on um on the success of the travel and on the success of of you know homestands so it's really really rough to to play like hindsight you know hindsight is always 2020 and now talk about well if we had uh maybe the the, the league in a different uh situation uh, it, it might have been better i don't want us to to uh think here that COVID had nothing to do with it or how the league, more precisely how the league managed or how the teams managed uh, this entire situation uh, not be a part of it. I'm positive that a lot of what we're seeing now would have been better if we didn't have all this uh, uh, predicament as is. But if you look into some uh, uh, business books and, and classes, they would all say the same. Everything is management's fault. Everything is management's fault. It's never the, you know, the player's fault. It's never that maybe he was happy, maybe he wasn't. We don't really know. But everything can always go back to the decision of, of the managing entities, whether it was uh, the Overwatch League Blizzard or or um, the San Francisco Shock or any other team for that matter that is now seeing like the, the fallout. So you're one of those guys, management's fault. It's always management. Hey, I'm part of management in my company, and I know that. <laughs> it's all it's your, your fault. fault. <laughs> it is. It, it always is. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to use uh, Golden Boy as sort of an example of, of my feelings. Um, he talks about in sort of a couple of tweets. One is that he really enjoys Valorant, and I can't speak to enjoying Valorant because I've yet to play because apparently I played. I I don't you're banned. <laughs> yeah, like uh, support's fixing my account right now, but... Um, he says that if you're go- looking to go pro in Valorant right now, you're just picking at the crumbs on the floor. Hmm. There's nothing in the pipeline that I've heard to warrant the switch for pros. He goes on to then further say that he gets wanting to be the first at the table, but the table ain't even made yet. And we have no idea what we're eating for breakfast, let alone dinner. Regardless, he's looking forward to the talent that Valorant is getting from other games, but there is so much uncertainty right now. And I think you know that he, he says how I what I feel. I have nothing against Valor, and I don't necessarily think it'll be my game. Again, I haven't played it, and Sam is doing his darndest to pull me in. But it has but it, the most views on Twitch, so it must be the best game in the world. You know, you know what had the most views on Twitch? Apex Legends. Well, there you go. When it initially dropped, 
like it was top top table, no problem. And it was the Fortnite Battle Royale killer. Mm-hmm. Rip Fortnite. It was Overwatch and Fortnite put together. And and and, and then um I even forgot the name. Uh PUBG. PUBG, yeah. I, I'm not suggesting Valorant isn't going to do well. Oh yeah, with Riot. Uh, I, I, I think it will. I think they they've created a game that can play on almost any machine, mm-hmm. right? So from an accessibility perspective, if you have a computer, it will work. That makes popularity sort of exist. Uh, Riot, they don't go and create a game that they don't plan to put life into. So there will definitely be a professional scene. It's just very interesting that it is what weeks old. And now you have pro teams being formed. Yeah, we're going pro. We're going to do this. There isn't even a pro scene. Like, I mean, we don't even know what the plan will be. Maybe there'll be a grassroots one that'll form and then eventually riot will have something more substantial. And that's not to suggest there won't be. I mean, I know riot will have one, but you know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, we're going to go to the party. It's going to happen. We don't know where, we don't know when, but here's the friends and I that are all going to go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like golden boy is very wise to say this, but the fact that it's what's he's saying is that's actually what has me so scared because if you're going to a dinner table and the table's not formed and you don't know if you're eating garbage or pancakes for breakfast and yet people are still going. So what does that say about the place they're coming from? Well, it's not just Overwatch. Like, let's make that clear. Valorant is attracting, you know, pros from a variety of different games. Mm-hmm. And one might argue that the pro scenes in the places that they're coming from, I, I think the one place that they, they haven't been able to steal much from, and maybe that's by design, is is League itself, League of Legends, well, for, for very obvious reasons. Yeah. But... But like that, like to me, it's just surprising because, you know, whether it's um, the guys at CSGO or 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 Rainbow Six or even Apex or Blizzard, like they all knew Valorant was coming. And that's not to say that it's a direct comparison, because I don't think the games are a direct comparison. Um, There's obviously similarities. You shoot people, you shoot things. But Mm -hmm. In terms of attention span and the fact that, you know, all of us, even as players, we can only play one game at one time. So even if they're not the same game, doesn't mean I can have Overwatch and Valorant on at the same time. At some point, we all have to choose, yeah. right? So so just the fact that there's another tier one hot item coming, what have the leagues done? And this isn't just on Owl, right? This is this is on all the leagues that are now kind of getting the Valorant hit, uh, whether it's hype and it's short-lived or whatnot. But I think today was the biggest gut punch with Sinatra going over. Right. Like, what have they done to to entice both the fans and the players to to stay? And that's I think where where my my concern comes from. Not so much whether like Valorant could be a bust. Like, I'm not I'm not denying that there's no possibility uh, of this. I, I don't think it'll be. A no, bust. no. But what I, I mean is, it could like with the amount of hype it is, it's going to be the greatest game in history. Right. But like, there's a chance that it could be a very good game, but not to that level. Just like when overwatch came out, it could have been the greatest game in history. Will it ever get to the peak that overwatch got to? Right. Right. Like it it could be that, or it could not be that. Right. Like we, we don't know. Right. But, but, but that, that's actually part of my concern is, is people are willing to give up steady jobs, um, fame, fortune in this kind of current economy to move over. So I, I think the leagues, the existing leagues that, that are, that are built 
uh, have a lot to focus on that they could be working on. I guess that's what I want to draw the point back to, not so much with like, you know, predicting Valorant or, or so on and so forth. If this game was done by a different company, right? If it wasn't done by Riot, would it have the same, you know, gravitational pull towards the scene? I'm not really sure. Like, how is, uh, what was their other game that they came out after uh, LOL? Uh, is it Legend of Ruterra or? TFT, yeah. How is that doing oh, these days? Yeah, well, it's more of a niche uh, scene, but you get what I'm saying. It's like okay. Well, here let's let's argue. Epic mm-hmm. was the the label behind this. I mean, we're seeing some crazy things happen in in the world of Fortnite. I mean, they just had 12 minute million eyeballs watch a virtual concert, like log into the game just to take part. Like they're they're revolutionizing how the gaming culture is starting yeah. to transcend into other scenes. Um, I think there, there is some merit to the company that's pushing the title out. Right. But I don't necessarily believe that that itself guarantees success. The game, and, and you know, I always wondered, like almost every streamer, that I, I follow that has ever played a game uh, where you can shoot bad guys. <laughs> like that's, that's almost the, the, in, you know, definition. Do you shoot bad guys? Then this game is for you. Almost every streamer, Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Periscope streamers, if they exist, they all played this in the early going and almost to a person like, Oh, this is actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. And you know, that generated some organic hype. I had sort of thought, Oh, maybe they're being paid, but then, you know, I, I came to my senses knowing that if that was truly the case. So here in Canada, we have this thing called the competition act that would be in gross violation of you not disclosing that you were paid for a promotional appearance. I would imagine the United States, United Kingdom, you know, they all have different jurisdictions, but similar types of rules. No streamer said, Hey, this is an ad. So for that organic type of, of, of hype to occur, I think credibly says there is, there is something here. Now, will it be that great killer of whatever game? Overwatch, CSGO, Hearthstone, like, you know, time will all tell. Well, you could say that they weren't paid, but it's not really black and white. I, I mean, if you're a streamer and you're not playing Valorant in this time, you're kind of making a, a poor business decision, really. No, and I, sure, there's sort of the, if the eyeballs are watching, mm-hmm. go where the eyeballs are. I totally get that. But that... That doesn't also incentivize you. Like if you're, if your brand is a certain game, yeah, you don't necessarily give up on your brand, right? Like I, right. I, I, I know what you're saying though. And the, uh, you know, the, the move with the, with the, the drops was genius. Oh yeah. I mean, how many people continue to tune in? That's the only reason people have been tuning into Sam's streams on Twitch. You're, you're fast and loose with the word people. Hey, OWL, OWL had that with the tokens, and <laughs> we still don't well, have it back. Who knows what the viewership would have oh been with man. tokens? Tokens makes me salty. Yeah. Like, do you know, I, so I, was, I went back in time in the Ask Titans uh, staff channel in, in Titans Court, which itself is an episode uh, that we should approach. Um, the question was asked about tokens, and Anthony Morocco had said, oh, yeah, that news on that will be coming soon. This was like back in January. They down oh. they're downplaying it so much. I, I don't get it. That should have been their priority number one. It sounds ridiculous, but if you ask Valve how much money they made from freaking hats, you'd see like there is so much 
you know, economical uh, demand to stuff like that. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is like Activision Blizzard is still incentivizing Twitch views, <laughs> right? Like the, the recent event, yeah. um, you watch streamers live on Twitch, make sure your account is linked. You'll get in-game rewards. Yeah. Even they can't can... the Overwatch League because they're on YouTube gaming and I get the technology is different not to have something like that in play. You're don't get me started. They're probably hating on the quality in YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, anyhow, why are we spending so much time talking about Valorant? Well, if you didn't hear uh, and you did not see the news on Twitter, I had to release it before itself. It got leaked. Um, you're listening to ready, set, pwn your premier source for all the Titans in Valorant. <laughs> mm. Very soon, coming very soon. I played it. I, I I didn't really like the game. Well, at least you can for, play. I yeah for for the at least the first day. I need to learn it. I'm not giving up. But at least in Overwatch, I enjoyed sucking at the first like month or two. I played it. Anyway, let's actually get back on the topic of Overwatch League and the week that was. So this past weekend, if you happen to watch uh, Overwatch League play, you're probably suggesting the Chengdu Hunters aren't that bad of a team because they at least got a one map loss. <laughs> uh, and I, I say that, I was going to say one map win loss. That's confusing. It was the weekend of 3-0s. Every single result was a 3-0 except for one, and that involved the Chengdu Hunters. It doesn't necessarily mean they had a good weekend. It just means they, at least in a loss, won a map. So the results, just rapid fire going through them. Seoul Dynasty beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-0. The Shanghai Dragons beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. The New York Excelsior beat the Chengdu Hunters 3-0. The Philadelphia Fusion beat the Atlanta Rain 3-0. The San Francisco Shock beat the LA Valiant 3-0. On Sunday, the Hangzhou Spark beat the Chengdu Hunters 3-1. The Shanghai Dragons beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-0. The New York Excelsior beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. The Florida Mayhem beat the Boston Uprising 3-0. And then finally, we get to the Houston Outlaws and the Dallas Fuel. And this one was close. Mm -hmm. Dallas won 3-2 against Houston in the Battle of Texas. Um as far as the matches that we recommended everyone watch, uh, Omni, you and I had said, hey, let's go watch the Excelsior return. Uh, they played the Hunters. Hopefully no one stayed up too late or got up too early because you would have missed that match. Uh, we then both said, watch the return of Seoul Dynasty against the Shanghai Dragons. Oh. Dragons are real. Hell yeah. Uh, and then uh, Omni, you suggested also watch the Battle of Texas. You got that right. I don't know what Sam was thinking, although he reversed his his matches. He should have just agreed with us because we watched the same teams, but <laughs> you can at least argue that, you know, in, in Sam's case, the two teams that returned both got wins on the games he picked. That's true. That's just exactly win. what I was going for. They're undefeated in my books. The other thing, and I think it was, wasn't it Florida, Boston had like, it took 10 minutes to cap a point or something like that on Ilios. Like was it the, was it the Mayhem uprising match? I think so. Yeah. I watched the highlight and looked pretty crazy. I, I'll probably go back to that pod. Probably, like I, probably I've, not. I've had some like quick, quick <laughs> matches. I was like, I don't know about that one, bro. <laughs> I've had some quick play matches where that, that's actually been a struggle. It's not always necessarily on Ilios. It's, it's you actually, no, it has been on Ilios, but more mm. often or not, um, it's happening on Oasis, yeah. but uh, yeah, this one went on for like, I'm going to exaggerate 10 minutes, but like, I don't know how many alts were invested in each of these fights and it took forever to cap the point. 
Like it was, mm. it was unreal that something like this would happen in the pro uh, scene. But hey, when you have a good team versus another good team, yeah, madness ensues. You know what didn't take long though? New York Excel's return to form. That was pretty quick. That's how you make a comeback. Jet lag? Well, none there. Well, okay. Like, if we consider who they were playing, and they, we, I think, mm. need to reserve judgment until we see them play the Dragons. Right. Right? Like, I, I think we'll know how New York is when we see them go up against Shanghai. Can yeah. they slay the Dragon? Yeah, that'll be a good one. I mean, Chengdu's cute compositions and style. They, they worked against the Titans, but they didn't do jack against uh, NYXL and uh, their, uh, we should trademark this, surgical style. <laughs> but we saw Jonek back on, on the Zen. Selby OB is back. Like, how, how great it is to see him back after, like, he was basically turned into a prune on, on, on the bench in Season 2. What year is this? It's 2016 <laughs> when uh, yeah. Selby was good, Jonek was good, and the he Titans carried, didn't exist. Yeah, they carried them pretty hard. But light or heavy comms, NYXL looks good. Hotba is insane on all tanks. For Shanghai, I'm looking forward to if we already kind of alluded to the fact that they're going to play each other. For Shanghai, they also have like a god flex tank in my eyes. Void is really playing amazing this uh, year. But who's this lib guy? He's carrying freaking Fleta in this match. Like, what a pick, right? What a pickup for, for Shanghai. He can play anything. McCree, Sombra, Symmetra, doesn't really matter. We... we Constantly hyped up Edison, Doha, Glisser, uh, Sparkle, who's coming up. Nobody talk about. Nobody talked about Lip, who should have been on our lips. Get what I did there? Nice, <laughs> nice, solid. Uh, but this yeah, premium content. Super new, right? There was this whole talk of of how this match is not going to be equal at all or close at all. Uh, I mean, Void, Lee Jagon, they're all really played much much better than their counterparts in the opposition. But if you told me that in, in season one, that one day Shanghai with Fearless is going to destroy Gesture three games in a row, I wouldn't believe you. Uh, but that was one of the least uh, least close uh, 3-0s I've ever seen. It's crazy. Yeah, that, was, that was disappointing to me, but it was like a roll. Shanghai is good. And just That's as a reminder, Sam, it. Sam, I picked the Dragons at the beginning of the season eons ago and got laughed damn at. Damn right. And who did you pick first? The Shock. Well, there you go. They had Sinatra back then. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you maybe you need to follow your good buddy Sinatra to Valorant. <laughs> go pro. Um, as far as the uh, weekend that will be. So it is another Saturday, Sunday, because apparently those Thursday, Friday afternoon matches here in North America aren't all that interesting. I don't know why. But uh, Saturday at 1 a.m., the Guangzhou Charge take on the Seoul Dynasty at 3 a.m. It's New York Excelsior and the Shanghai Dragons at 12 noon. It's Dallas Field facing the Washington Justice, 2 p.m. Los Angeles Valiant versus the Atlanta Reign, 4 p.m. Houston Outlaws versus the Sinatra-less San Francisco Shock. On Sunday at 1 a.m., Seoul Dynasty take on the Hangzhou Spark. The uh, 3 a.m., Chengdu Hunters are taking on the New York Excelsior. 12 noon, Philadelphia Fusion at the Paris Eternal. 2 p.m., Florida Mayhem, Boston Uprising. And 4 p.m., Toronto Defiant uh, against the Los Angeles Gladiators. All three of us are going to be totally staying up late or waking up early to watch the Excelsior take on the Dragons. I mean, this should be a good match. You've got the New York Excelsior of a 7-1 record. you got the Shanghai Dragons who have an 8-1 record. Um, New York 
looked real strong prior to their departure. They look to be in form as we, you know, had just talked about. The Shanghai Dragons are looking good. Sam knew it. Don't know how. Watch this one turn out to be a stinker. Oh, that's a hot take. It does have that possibility. Yeah. And, you know, we should also point out the heroes that are banned this week. Wrecking Ball, McCree, Widow, and Mercy, which means Echo is going to be, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just, you're, there's going to be shields. Lots of shields. I would imagine... See, this is a, does Afara come into play without her good buddy, Mercy? No. No way. Yeah, so that's where I think, you know, Echo will take that, that spot. And then from there... I don't know, does Ash find a way back in? Maybe, because there's a diva and there's still Soldier if you need him. And But I, see, that's the thing is, I, you know, Ash... And Echo saw... herself is, is a destroyer of Faris, so... Yeah, I, I... It'll be an interesting weekend, um, being that it'll be the first time that Echo actually gets into action, um, because, hey, why not Banner for the first mm-hmm. opportunity you can in our unified uh, hero pools? Even Torb is still a thing. (laughs) Oh, love me some Torb. Ain't nothing better than watching Hammer Kills. You don't have that in Valorant, do you, Sam? What's that? Torb. Where's Torb? I have Dying. No Hammers yet. Yeah, you don't have Torb. Don't give him ideas, okay? We're trying to support Overwatch. Automatically a better game if it has Torb in it. For Sunday, uh, both Omni and I suggested that you watch the Toronto Vine take on the LA Gladiators. And that was actually, to give you insight as to why I picked that, matches of the five, that was the one that I actually thought would be the <laughs> yeah. most common. Um Sam, however, he's like, just play Valorant on Sunday. Haven't these teams played like four times already? That was only about really Paris and Paris, Philly. Yeah. Like, oh. I remember because Omni and I were actually quite excited the first couple of times they played, like <laughs> Philly and Paris. But now it's kind of like, we we've seen this before right like i feel like we've we've talked about it at least yeah. at least twice if not three times especially without xz i don't think it'll be a close match so yeah and and i just want to give props to to omni as well for his rankings when he called the florida mayhem meh is there a more meh team in the league than the florida <laughs> <laughs> well last week's vancouver titan they were not met that's volatile well, I averaged that out with... Okay. Nobody... <laughs> the only time we talked about the Mayhem this entire season was like, hey, they have new colors. <laughs> and since then, we have not. <laughs> but they're on... on they're, they're getting better. Sure. Well, they, they've beaten the behemoth Boston uh, uprising. And they're playing them again <laughs> next week. Uh, oh, man. Oh, oh man. Uh, so... I mean, in fairness, it's the result of the way the teams are set up right now. There's only so many teams that, that you can play and you cycle through them quite a bit quicker than we would have seen if it was, you know, the full table of uh, teams available. Uh, this weekend, however, is the first weekend of this month of May where the Overwatch League has decided to have a tournament. So what is the structure? Well, during the first three weeks of May, all these teams are playing in a variety of qualifier matches. So each team in North America is playing three times. Each team in Asia is playing four times. Now, why that's the case is that North America has 13 teams in their region, uh, while Asia has seven. And you can't simply say, well, wait a minute. It's just Asian teams in Asia and what have you? No, well, because the Lund Spitfire and the New York Excelsior, they're part of the, the Asian division. Uh, and then the remaining uh, North American teams are in North America, including Vancouver, who's now you know coming back, apparently. And then the Paris Eternal, who just happened to be based out of uh, Jersey this season. So 
<laughs> this tournament will take place or culminate into a, a regional tournament uh, the weekend of May 22nd to 24. So if North America, they actually have a qualifying uh, match on May 22nd, but then May 23, 24 uh, is a knockout stage. Um, it is a single knockout. The way it's going to work is that uh, all teams make it. They're seeded based on the result of these three matches. And then eventually, over the course of the weekend, uh, they'll go in and uh, play into a final on the Sunday. Uh, tournament champion wins $40,000. Second place gets $20,000. Third and fourth get five grand. And then each tournament win per team is worth $5,000. In this economy? <laughs> oh, hey. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, thing about it is that a North American team uh, could win three games, get $15,000. An Asian team could win four games and get $20,000. So it's almost a bonus to play in, in Asia if you're that good. Hero pools, they're suspended for all the tournament matches, so we're going to see mirror matching all along. Uh, it's a first to three <laughs> map wins, right? So we're not going to see, uh, you know, four just because. Um, the uh, final, however, actually is first to four, so similar to what we're we're used to uh, highest seeded team picks the first map loser picks subsequent maps. And in the case of a draw, the team that picked the previous map picks again. Uh, so there's the structure. This, I, I like the fact that the overwatch league is finally saying, you know, we got to shake things up and do something a little bit different. They kind of did this with their call of duty league. Uh, and I, I understand sort of the, the progression here. They're trying to, to make things more interesting, but what does this mean? Takes place come June. Yeah. I don't know what the next step is at this point. Aren't they behind like by a gazillion games already as is? Well, that, and that's the thing. Like you look at the Vancouver Titans, the Vancouver Titans have played four matches. Like when, it, when the tournament first came out um, and they sort of shared the structure, they hadn't quite shared the schedule yet. Yeah. I'm like, well, so if the Titans don't play again, their record currently has them making this, this playoff. Like <laughs> how does that work? Um, but, you know, this goes back to the point of how does the season work? Like, will teams have played a relatively same number of matches? Or are you the Titans who are just going to go with, like, a winning percentage or or what have you? I mean, we don't know what that all entails. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes back to at the beginning of the season. Like, honestly, one of my most favorite things about last season was the stages. It made, mm -hmm. it, made it feel more relevant because, like, honestly – Yes, I think COVID is a big part of this and and our team not knowing where they are, who's playing, when they're playing, all that stuff, that that all matters. But I, I can't help but think like if we were sitting here four and oh, like would we still feel this kind of complacency lost feeling? Maybe not not nearly as much, I, I presume, mm -hmm. but it's just it it all feels so so pointless right now. Like like if you're the worst team in the league, if you're the best team in the league, like does that really matter? Because when what is the finish line? So so like I do I love mini tournaments because because you know it it creates things like Cinderellas, right? Like that's what we saw with Shanghai last year in stage three is is yeah. teams that got hot, you know, you know, their season suddenly means something. Nobody thought Shanghai was anywhere near the top echelon of teams at the beginning of the season, but they had a hot stage and that was cool. And and so like to me, they should just go each month like this. And and I don't know if it's aggregate scores getting to playoffs or whatever, 
but that also means that all the matches we've played thus far, like how meaningful are they? So, so they're kind of in a little bit of conundrum like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they do the overwatch league concedes that they're going to evaluate this format moving forward, share more information as they get it. Um, Considering they were previously scheduling week to week, we now have at least a month's worth of, well, you know, three weeks, but we know that there will be, you know, matches and when they'll be the the last weekend of the month. So it gives some idea of, of stability, but yeah, beyond that, we don't know. And, you know, to your point, Sam, this might be what they need to do is to, to redefine, but, at what point does it also then become so repetitive? It's like, yeah, whatever. Like what, what changes, mm-hmm. you know, I, we, we know we're not getting new heroes. I mean, I guess the possibility exists that we get a map before overwatch two comes out. And you know, the, the, beyond that outside of balance changes that might occur to heroes, nothing's really going to drastically shift the game in, in one direction or another. Now, Sinatra isn't the only player uh, that is no longer in the Overwatch League. Neptuno is no longer in the Overwatch League for far different reasons. Uh, His visa expired. And as he's currently without a visa, he was no longer permissible to remain in uh, South Korea and as a result has had to leave and cannot play for the charge until such time as he can get that visa renewed. I'm not going to lie. I find that an interesting situation. Like, I know you're our visa guy, Sam, and I know that, you know, visas do expire, but would this not have been something that would have already been on their radar to have have dealt with? Or is this, like, indicative of the situation where South Korea is like, yeah, you know, we're just not giving visas out right now. See you later. So I'm sure there's people listening that are much smarter at immigration than me, so I'll just try and kind of take guesses best I can. But when you renew a visa, for example... um, there's certain requirements depending on what visa and what country you're in. And so in my line of work, a lot of times when people are getting their permits or or getting their PR and things like that, they have to do uh, biometrics, right? Mm -hmm. So biometrics are some, is some sort of health related exam. And right now, depending on which country they're sitting in, a lot of those biometrics places are deemed non-essential. So Mm -hmm. even though, you know, you know, the renewal is coming up, um, and you know what you need to do, you still may not be able to do it depending on not just not just um, whether they're accepting applications, but whether the offices are open for you. So if, if we use a simpler example, like you have to go to a specific doctor to get a health check. If that doctor is not open, well, then you're you're stuck, right? So yeah. I don't know what visa Neptuno was on and what needed to be renewed and where it needed to be renewed. But there's a lot of challenges that are more simple than, uh, dude, you just f- forgot to renew it. Um, so, so I imagine that like he may not be the only one affected. There's actually a lot of people out here that are kind of in this limbo situation right now. Um, and and that's, that's a COVID hit. Yeah. There are like br- bridging periods and stuff like that. And uh, for biometrics, like you said, biometrics are the... Fingerprints uh, right, portion. Right. Remember, because I went through that myself. Um, again, I think even in COVID for existing applications or, or visas, it's just a question of is he employed under a Korean organization or, or you know, a U.S. organization? We're not really privy for all that. Uh, is it is it like a an employment under Blizzard or, or the franchise? It's really hard to tell. I still blame management, though. It's always management's fault. So it's Omni's fault. 
<laughs> I'm not in management for the Overwatch League. <laughs> One of the last things we'll touch on uh, before we look to wrap up the episode is that uh, Uncle Jeff provided a developer update. It was one filmed from his home, uh, a particular corner of his house, which seemed kind of odd, and his phone was taped to a cardboard box. So uh, <laughs> rip phone if you use like duct tape or something like that. Uh, he talked about a number of things. And a production. Yeah. And one of them was that we're going to see changes to the comm wheel. Uh, it's a quality of life update, which is going to allow for more communication to take place amongst teams, allegedly, where you don't join comms like me. Now, <laughs> I am confused. I get quality of life adjustments taking place right now, but with a new game coming out, I hope this year, <laughs> uh, but failing that soon. I don't know if this would be the area that I, I would think they would make adjustments. Do you I think mean, somebody on the dev team was just like really into animal crossing? They're like, this wheel is sick. I need one of these. <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, for, for, for years I've been begging them to add something like, I don't know, fall back or, or push, but I'm, I'm I don't, I don't disagree yeah. about the, the idea. I think it's phenomenal. I just feel that, where we are in the game today, knowing that Overwatch itself, it, it's not that it's on life support because I think people are like, no. oh my God, you're saying dead game. It's essentially in sort of stasis until it gets replaced by Overwatch 2. Maybe and they, maybe, oh, go ahead. And maybe they have recorded the, the lines for Overwatch and they're like, okay, that seems easy enough to implement in Overwatch, Overwatch 1. We'll probably need to run a few queries through scripts debug it a little bit and it was easy enough to implement and maybe that's why they just pushed it when you, they needed something yeah true i mean i again i, I think it's a great idea um, i'm gonna be running around the map as reinhardt just going sorry <laughs> i like the, totally no, no 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 <laughs> right put up your shield no <laughs> God, that'll be so much fun. like do do a charge and no <laughs> <laughs> oh man you'd see you'll see me i'll be charging off the map sam style and you'll just hear reinhardt going goodbye <laughs> <laughs> oh anyhow um no this, this, this is a good field. update this is a good update and we've well, i've negative a lot this is this is fun can you charge off the map in valorant uh no thought you so. cannot thoughts so. brilliant best game ever <laughs> um we're also seeing an expedited requeue uh by anyone who's impacted by levers in game so it's not that you if you get impacted in a, in a match where someone leaves and it has to restart one of the complaints especially for those you know high up on the ladder uh queue times suck mm. so the algorithm is going to try to identify you for a match in priority sequence than if you were to go to the end of the line now, the way he positioned it, it wasn't like you're automatically going to the front of the line. It's just that you're given sort of an opportunity to get into a, a match quicker than someone who happens to go and start looking for a match at the, the same moment. So, I, I, I again, I, I like the concept here. I don't know how well of a that'll impact quality of life. I might, The stage of the ladder that I'm at, I have no problem finding matches when I'm on my own. <laughs> um, Can I and get then, my uh, SR back, too, when I have a lever? Yeah, totally. You can have mm -hmm. it. Uh, just tell Uncle Jeff that you should get that. Um, and then we're seeing uh, the experimental card. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. Crowd control uh, for most heroes is being adjusted. So um, 
I get it. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not maybe sold on, on, on where crowd control is, is needing as drastic changes as they are, but Hey, what do I know? Hmm. Oh, except for hog. He's getting like full on buff. He'll just be able to like boop you on off the map with whole hog. Now (laughs) that's what we needed more single player, uh, carry. So here we are at the end of a, a pretty long episode, one in which we were able to provide you very little juice on the, the Vancouver Titans, but we were able to go and dive into our new pivot, which is the uh, Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything to do with the Titans of Valorant. I mean, hey, uh, you know, we got we to gotta do what we got to do. We're just going to, we're going to miss the, the people the most. Mm-hmm. But, you know, podcasts got to live on, right? Oh, any final words of wisdom you got for uh, all of our, our listeners, uh, Ani? To quote the great Michael Scott, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. <laughs> Sam, can you beat that? Definitely not. Are, are, I, do you think we're in one right now? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, no, if, if, if we were involved in one, We'd know. Then we wouldn't be Michael Scott. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, it's hard to beat Michael Scott. It's hard to beat Michael Scott. I thought you were going to a different Michael for a second off off your last dance <laughs> routine, but no, I got I got nothing going on here. Uh, as for me, uh, just a reminder that uh, for the entire year, uh, we're in, uh, looking to support the Extra Life campaign, uh, which is, again, a fundraiser where essentially we play games to help heal uh, sick and injured kids by supporting Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Uh, the Children's Miracle Network hospital that uh, I'm partial to is the BC Children's Hospital, which is located here in Vancouver, and that's the the one that I'm, I'm looking to raise fun, uh, funds for. Now, if this is something that you want to get behind, uh, whether by uh, donation or by simply being involved in fundraising yourself, I encourage you to check out extra-life.org slash team slash ready, set, poem. That is our team page. Uh, you can go there. You can join our team uh, and join the fundraiser. You can also uh, provide a, a donation uh, to our campaign. Again, it's a year-long campaign, but we will have uh, a full-on Extra Life streaming event uh, later this year. Uh, it'll be in, uh, in November and, and you'll want to obviously stay tuned to us here at ready, set, Pwn, uh, for more details. Now, the other thing I'm going to ask uh, if you can is to leave us a review on Podchaser. Uh, Podchaser.com slash ready, set, pwn is where you can go. And the reason why I'm asking for you to do that is through to uh, the end of the week, they are doing this campaign where for every review left there, uh, they're donating um, money to uh, Feeding America. And uh, that's something that uh, I think uh, is kind of cool of them. It's also good for us. Um, it lets us know, one, do you like what we do? Do you not like what we do? Uh, and then from there, we can obviously uh, iterate on all that phenomenal feedback. Like more Sam, less Chris, maybe not. But, you know, more Chris, less Sam, probably. I mean, we can make that happen. Um, and I guarantee not only will we read every review verbatim on the podcast, as is our practice, I'll also ensure that we, we leave you a reply uh, to any of those comments that you might leave. You can also leave a review anywhere else, too, obviously, that you can. Any podcast application you happen to listen to us in, because we are in every single one. So, on behalf of Sam at Another Sam Chan, Ani at Omnistripe, myself, Chris at Lightforce, we're going to sign this episode off with those magical two words. Catchphrase!
Thank you.